And our reading today is going to be taken from Romans chapter 5. And I'm going to be reading from verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and this way death came to all people, because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. But just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, we're looking at that, uh, that passage that we just had read from Romans chapter 5, and we're looking at it in the context of our Advent series. In our Advent series, we've been thinking about uh, well, I've subtitled it, Big Words for Big Situations, because we're going through some big situations, aren't we? The big issues are, are coming up. We don't know what's going to happen. We were, we were on the phone yesterday um, with people in Grimsby family that we're hoping to see on the 28th, but recognise that now might not happen, just because of the way that people are talking about other things. So we're thinking, well, how do we get presents backwards and, and forwards and different things? And I'm sure you've you know, got a little bit of anxiety about different things and whether it's going to happen whether things are going to be ruined, whether plans are going to go ahead. We're in strange times, aren't we? We still are. And the fact that we, we tried to get out of it <laughs> for a little while, but now it feels like we're getting dragged down again, uh, affects us, doesn't it? it? It affects us. And so we're thinking about these, these big words because they're bigger than the situations and they can help us in the situations. We've been thinking about joy and peace and hope and glory and faith. 
a little bit earlier on, we looked a little bit about love, and I was hoping to bring love into the sermon today. I mean, it's there, it's all over the sermon, really, when, when you see, when we get towards the end, but, it, but I'm not going to be thinking particularly about love. We're going to be thinking more about life today, just these huge words. And what Paul does for us in Romans 5 is explain something that we don't um, particularly like, <laughs> and, we don't, and we may just struggle to actually get and understand, but when we do... When we, when we get it and, and see it, then what he goes on to explain, uh, and the result of that, and actually he's already explained it in Romans, is that, that when, when God gives us life, it really does mean something. It really does mean something. You know, life is, is something that we can't control, isn't it? We, none of us, knew when we were going to be born, did we? I'd actually put your hands up, but it'd be a stupid thing to do, wouldn't it? We just, we just don't know, do we? We're not in control of when we're born. You know, life is a gift. Now, some people don't think it's a very good gift. Some people think it's a great gift. I don't know if you saw this story. About two years ago, there was a 27-year-old Indian man who planned to sue his parents for giving birth to him without his consent. A Mumbai businessman, Raphael Samuel, told the BBC that it's wrong to bring children into this world because they then have to put up with lifelong suffering. Mr. Samuel, of course, understands that our consent can't be sought before we're born, but he insists that it was not our decision to be born. We know that, don't we? It's not our decision to be born. So as we didn't ask to be born, we should be paid for the rest of our lives to live, he argues. I don't know who we're going to be paid by because obviously everyone else should be paid to live. So I don't know how that particularly works. But he goes on, he says, there is no point to humanity. So many people are suffering. If humanity is extinct, earth and animals will be happier. They'll certainly be better off. Also, no human will then suffer. Human existence is totally pointless. Well, we're not going to end there. You'll be pleased to know. What is interesting is that both his parents are lawyers and he knows that he stands absolutely no chance of winning. But he wants to make a point. We're not in control of our own lives. We're not in control of when we're born. And obviously, he doesn't think that life is a very nice gift. <laughs> now, I don't know, you know what's happened if he's reacting to something in particular, maybe a broken heart, maybe a painful situation, maybe tremendous suffering, I don't know. Maybe he's just trying to be rational. But what he hasn't understood is the biblical hope of real life that can be given in Jesus. And you know, I do think that he's got a point that life is completely and utterly meaningless without Jesus. It is. It's pointless. And there is so much suffering. But the news of the gospel is that God does something in the midst of what we think is pointless. In the midst of that suffering, he gives us the best gift he's ever given. And he helps us understand a little bit, this guy, I think, today, because what we really need to do to understand life, and this is what Paul's doing in Romans 5, if we really want to understand the gift of life, if we really want to understand what's going on in this very first Christmas, when Jesus comes, when Jesus is born, and, you know, he did know when he was going to be born. <laughs> if we really want to understand the gift that God gives us, the first thing that we've got to do is something that we don't like doing, and it's we've got to stare death in the face. Now, there's no points this morning, but there are three questions. The first one will be answered in about 30 seconds. Don't take that as how I'm going to go and proceed with the rest. 
The second one is going to take about 20 minutes. <laughs> and the third one's not going to take too long. But just so that you know, three questions. Three, two, one. That's what we're going to think about this morning. The first question is this. Oh, there you go. It's already up there. Why do people die? Why do people die? And the answer is very simple, biblically. It's because in Romans 6.23, we're told that the wages of sin is death. We die because of sin. Which leads to a second question, doesn't it? Very quickly. Why do we sin? Now, this is the one that's going to take a little bit longer. Why do we sin? Well, Romans 5, verse 12, the reading that we've just had. Now, you might have been listening to that thinking, I'm not quite sure I've got my head around all this. This is, this is deep theology. This is um, quite hard stuff to try and pull out and figure out. But we're going to try and do that as we go through. Romans 5.12 says, Sin entered the world through one man. Adam. We find that out later. Well, we find it out in Genesis as well. Sin entered the world through one man. Death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. All sinned when Adam took a bite of the fruit in the garden. All sinned. None of us have even been born yet. And yet that's what Paul's saying. Sin entered the world through one man. One. Adam. Paul goes on to make this point. We, we sin because we are in Adam. Not because we break the law. And we often think sin is breaking the law. And it is, isn't it? That's what it is. But, Paul says, verse 13, to be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin's not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. What's he saying here? Well, he's saying if we think that sin is just breaking the law, there was a time before the law, wasn't there? If you know your Old Testament, you know that Adam came, and then there was this time between Adam when God, God people together, did, made the promises through Abraham, lots of different things happened, lots of Bible stuff going on, and eventually he got those people, he drew them out of Egypt, he got Moses, he brought him up onto Mount Sinai, he spoke to him, he gave him the law. So there's this huge amount of time between Adam and Moses where the law wasn't given. Many people didn't know the law, but sin was in the world. What happened to all those people between Adam and Moses? They died. So Paul's saying, even before the law was given, people died because of sin. This time from Adam to Moses... Why do people die? Because they sin. But if there is no law, nothing to hold them to, how can we say that they sinned? Well, the answer is because actually we're in Adam. It's like we were there at the beginning. When Adam sinned, verse 12, all sinned. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Even people that haven't sinned by breaking a lone law still die. All those between Adam and Moses. If death is a result of sin and sin is breaking the law, transgressing the law, why did people die before the law was given? 
important phrase coming up. <laughs> this is what we need to understand. This is what Paul is teaching here. The problem is not that we sin. The problem is that we are sinners. Do you see the difference? The problem is not that we sin. We do. The problem is that we are sinners. If the problem was just that we sinned, if someone gave us a law and then we, we broke it, then there would, nobody would have died between the time of Adam and Moses. But because Adam broke the law, he was given the law, he was only given one command, wasn't he? Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you do, you will die. And he did. And because we are in Adam, we are sinners. Breaking the law just shows us our sin. It brings us face to face with it. So verse 20, see verse 20? It says, the law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. And you just think, what? How can a, a holy God, a perfect, righteous, just God, want sin to increase, want trespass to increase? There can only be one reason. One reason. To help people to see what they really are. To help them to see that they're sinners, that they can't keep it. The law was given to help people to see what we are. Sinful people. You know, if someone's never picked up a bow and arrow and was to say to you, I can hit a bullseye from 50 metres, you would think, well, first of all, you'd think they were a bit crazy, wouldn't you? Because they don't know what they're talking about. I mean, 50 metres is a long way. 70 metres is the Olympic range. I don't know what you guys do in your back garden. What are, you, what are we talking about? 10 metres? Yeah? If you start in archery, they recommend you start at about 5 metres or something like that. So if someone who's never picked up a bow and arrow says to you, I can hit a bullseye at 50 metres, and, and they're quite adamant about it, what would you do? I mean, if you really felt, you know, this guy needs to know. <laughs> I mean, you'd buy a target, wouldn't you? <laughs> and you'd put it at 50 metres, and then you'd send him 50 metres further back, you'd give him a line, you'd give him the, probably the best equipment in the world, and say, go on then. You would help him to see that he can't do it. Now, it would be a bit humiliating for the guy, wouldn't it? Because he'd try. I mean, he probably wouldn't even hit the target. I mean, he might even kill somebody. You know, you'd have to make sure there was nobody out there. Because he ain't got a clue. You know, he might just go... It would be humiliating, but it would show them the truth about their claim. God gives us the law, not so that we break it, but when we break it, we'll realize there's something wrong with us. That's why he gives us it. So the trespass increases. Yeah, people sin when they're given the law. They do. Why? Because they're sinners. Why are we sinners? Because we're in Adam. The problem, the problem is, is deeper than just the things we do. That's what we need to try and grasp from these verses. The law was given to help people to see that they can't keep it. God sees the human race in Adam. As he stood there in the garden and took that fruit, effectively, so did we. It's like we were right there with him. And you know, Jesus helps us to see that the problem is internal, doesn't he? 
when he's speaking in the Sermon on the Mount, and he's talking about different aspects of the Ten Commandments, he, he helps us to see that the problem is idolatry and greed and lust and envy and selfishness. All of these things. God gave the first human a responsibility and he failed and so we've all failed. If you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you will surely die and we die. We die, don't we? And the Lord helps us to see that we are sinners and that sin separates us from God. Adam had to leave the garden. He could not eat from the tree of life. He could not keep living. Now it took him a long time read the Bible accounts. It took him a long time. But eventually, he died. So we're thinking about life this morning. I'm not trying to completely and utterly depress you. <laughs> Please bear with me. I'm not trying to do that. I know that's how, how it can feel. But unless we really grasp this and really get this, we won't understand what God has done for us in Jesus and why Christmas actually is so amazing and so is Easter. We're thinking about life, not in the sense that we need to make the most of it, but in the sense that we, we have it we're given it, it's a gift. But the one thing we cannot do is keep hold of it. Can we? From the moment we're born, we're starting to die. You know, I'm 49 and a half years nearer to my death than I was on the 25th of July 1972. It's a bit morbid, isn't it? It's not the way you look at it. We celebrate the life we've had, don't we? We don't think about what's going on and what we haven't got left. But that's the reality. From the moment we're given life, we're starting to lose it. We cannot escape death. We can't. Nobody can. And as I said, unless we really understand this, we won't grasp Christmas. Unless we understand that God sees us in Adam, we won't receive and understand the scope of the life that's offered us in the Lord Jesus Christ, that baby laid in a manger. You know, nobody has an answer to death. Nobody. We can delay it. We live in a time when we've learned how to delay it by probably 10, 20 years. For most people, I don't know what the, I uh, didn't look this up, I've only just thought of it as I'm studying, but I don't know what the, uh, the, the, the average age of death uh, that people die at is at the minute, but I guess it's a lot more than it was 50 years ago, a lot more than it was 100 years ago. We're, we're delaying it. But nobody's found a cure for it. We know, don't we? We know that we will die. And that's why nobody ever talks about it. <laughs> we know that we will die. Why do we die? Because we're sinners. Why do we sin? Because we're sinners. There's a problem deep inside of us. But we need this third question, don't we? We've got to ask this third question. Can you stick that one up, please? What has God done about the fact that we are sinners? What's God done about it? What's God done about the fact that we're sinners? If there's any hope, then somebody has to have done something. And the reality is that the biblical hope is that God has done something. He's done something for us. It makes a difference. He's done the most amazing thing. Which is why Christmas really is so amazing, isn't it? He's already told us in verse 6. Let me read this to you. If you've, if you've understood what I've just been trying to say, what Paul's saying in this chapter. Let me read this verse, verse 6. You see, at just the right time, 
when we were still powerless as sinners, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Hallelujah. God has done something. Let me read verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were sinners, because we are sinners, because we're trapped in this sin, because he sees us in Adam, what does he do? He provides somebody else that we can move from one to the other. We can move from Adam and we can move to be being in Christ and then he'll see us in Christ rather than seeing us in Adam and he'll give us the gift of eternal life. Christ has dealt with the sin. That's the hope of Christmas. That's the hope of Easter. There's two things. We are powerless. Powerless. We haven't got it within us to get out of Adam. We're powerless to do that. We're sinners. The solution is the life and death of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it's hopeful at Christmas. That's why we look at that manger and think, thank God, hallelujah, what he's done for us. A gift from God who gives true life, life even beyond death. Let me read verse 17. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man. That's what we've just been thinking about. It does, doesn't it? If, by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, I love these three words, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? The life we receive is in the light of the death we have inherited. The life we receive is in the light of the death we have inherited. It's not just a matter of giving life because we don't have it. There's so much more to do than that. The thing that causes our death in the first place, that sin has to be dealt with. It's a problem to be solved. It's a mess to be gotten out of. It's not just a case of God saying, oh, well, you know, sin doesn't really matter. I'll just give people life. It does matter. It kills us. So what does he do? He sends a man. You got a problem? You get a man in, don't you? The world's got a massive problem. It needs a massive man. It needs a massive man. We've got a problem. God gets a man in. That's what he does. But it's not just any man. We receive life through the Lord Jesus Christ. As we inherit death from Adam and our sinful nature, Jesus is, then, is sent to deal with the sin. How does he do that? How does he do that? Well, he stands where Adam fell. That's what Jesus does. He stands where Adam fell. That's why he had to be born of a virgin. He didn't inherit Adam's fallen nature, but he's the second man, Paul calls him. He's the second Adam. Adam 2, if you like. Adam 1 or Adam 2. Adam 1, a pattern. Remember that line at the end of, I think it was verse 12? A pattern of the one to come. He was a man that couldn't stand, 
But as a man, he pointed towards the man that would stand. Jesus is tempted in every way, but he stands. He has to give his life as a sacrifice for sin, the problem that causes us to die. Which, we're sa- which is why we're saved as much by his life as we are by his death. If he hadn't lived that life, if he hadn't stood where Adam fell, then he, he would have fallen. And it wouldn't matter whether it was in Adam or Christ. In fact, there would never have been an option. If his life hadn't have been perfect, his death would have been his own, wouldn't it? Why do we die? Because we're sinners. Is Jesus a sinner? No. Should Jesus die? Should Jesus die? Can Jesus die? I mean, if sin is the wages of death, is the way, I've lost it now, the wages of sin is death. Thank you. Can Jesus die? He's never sinned. He can't die, can he? So what happens on the cross is that death claims somebody it has no right to claim. I mean, this is powerful, isn't it? This is huge. This is big stuff. Death claims somebody it has no right to claim. And at that moment in time, everything changes. Somebody has got authority over death. Jesus looks at death and he says, you have no right. You cannot take me. And anybody that trusts in me, ultimately, you will not take them either. They will be with me. When you think you've got them, I will take them. Because he's bigger than death. Life. I mean, life. We're not in control of it. We don't know when we're going to be born. But we know that we're going to die. We can't get away from it. We can't escape it. So what does God do? What's God's answer to the fact that we're sinners? He sends someone who will stand where the first Adam fell. He sends a second Adam who stands and we can be in him. So we no longer have to fear death. We'll still go through the process of it. But there'll be something the other side. When death says that one's mine, Jesus is going to step in and say, no, that one's mine. I mean, that's powerful, isn't it? That's incredible what Paul's saying here, isn't it? He talks about this gift being so much bigger than the trespass. It is. You know, Adam did one thing wrong and we all fell. Jesus defeated death. And if we're now seen in him, we can all stand. We can all know true life. What Paul is saying is simple. In Adam, under sin, we die. Now, you might not think that's fair. We'd heard from a guy who thought that being born wasn't fair. It doesn't feel fair, actually, I don't think, does it? it to be in Adam? No, we just inherit this sinful nature, but that is how God sees us. And you know, whether it feels fair or not, given long enough, we just prove it's true, because we sin. <laughs> we just prove it. That's why the world's in a mess. That's why there's massive problems all over the place because of sin. What's really amazing actually is that God has done something about it. He sent the second Adam, the Lord Jesus. So the right response is not to worry about whether you think this is fair or not. The right response is to grab onto him with everything that you've got. 
Hold on to him. Know him. Trust him. Put your faith in him. Turn away from the sin and cling to him. Let him know how sorry you are for the things that you've done wrong. That you know that you can't get out of it. That you will be you know, given an opportunity. You will sin. The reality is this, Paul says, that God either sees us in Adam or he sees us in Christ. Which one do you want to be in when you breathe your last breath? Do you still want to be in Adam? No. Surely. <laughs> it makes sense to be in Christ, doesn't it? With that hope that he gives. What we remember at Christmas is the best present that has ever been given. Jesus came because we are sinners. He came to both deal with the sin, which he did by taking on death, and to give us life. The last verse of our last song sums it up. We're going to sing in a minute. Son of Adam, son of heaven, given as a ransom, reconciling God and man, Christ, our mighty champion. What a saviour. What a friend. What a glorious mystery. Once a babe in Bethlehem. Now the Lord of history.